Section 6 of In Vino Veritas From Stages on Life's Way by Soren Kierkegaard Translated by Lee M. Hollander, 1880-1972 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 6. The Speech of John the Seducer My dear boon companions, is Satan plaguing you? For indeed you speak like so many hired mourners. Your eyes are red with tears and not with wine. You almost move me to tears also. For an unhappy lover does have a miserable time of it in life. Hink ille lacrime. I, however, am a happy lover, and my only wish is to remain so. Very possibly that is one of the concessions to woman which Victor is so afraid of. Why not? Let it be a concession. Loosening the lead foil of this bottle of champagne also is a concession. Letting its foaming contents flow into my glass also a concession and so is raising it to my lips. Now I drain it. Concedo. Now, however, it is empty. Hence, I need no more concessions. Just the same with girls. If some unhappy lover has bought his kiss too dearly, this proves to me only that he does not know either how to take what is coming to him or how to do it. I never pay too much for this sort of thing. That is a matter for the girls to decide. What this signifies? To me it signifies the most beautiful, the most delicious, and well-nigh the most persuasive argumentum ad hominem. But since every woman, at least once in her life, possesses this argumentative freshness, I do not see any reason why I should not let myself be persuaded. Our young friend wishes to make this experience in his thought. Why not buy a cream puff and be content with looking at it? I mean to enjoy. No mere talk for me. Just as an old song has it about a kiss, Es ist kom zu sin, es ist nur vor liepen, die gena sich witzten. Understand each other so exactly that any reflection about the matter is but an impertinence and a folly. He who is twenty and does not grasp the existence of the categorical imperative, enjoy thyself, he is a fool. And he who does not seize the opportunity is and remains a Christian felder. However, you all are unhappy lovers, and that is why you are not satisfied with woman as she is. The gods forbid. As she is, she pleases me, just as she is. Even Constantine's category of the joke seems to contain a secret desire. I, on the other hand, I am gallant, and why not? Gallantry costs nothing, and gives one all, and is the condition for all erotic pleasure. Gallantry is the Masonic language of the senses, and of voluptuousness between man and woman. It is a natural language, as love's language in general is. It consists not of sounds, but of desires disguised, and of ever-changing wishes. 
that an unhappy lover may be ungallant enough to wish to convert his deficit into a draft payable in immortality that i understand well enough that is to say i for my part do not understand it for to me a woman has sufficient intrinsic value i assure every woman of this it is the truth and at the same time it is certain that i am the only one who is not deceived by this truth as to whether a despoiled woman is worth less than man about that i find no information in my price list i do not pick flowers already broken i leave them for the married men to use for shrovetide decoration whether e g edward wishes to consider the matter again and fall in love with cordelia or simply repeat the affair in his reflection that is his own business why should i concern myself with other people's affairs i explained to her at an earlier time what i thought of her and in truth she convinced me convinced me to my absolute satisfaction that my gallantry was well applied concedo concessi if i should meet with another cordelia why then i shall enact a comedy ring number two but you are unhappy lovers and have conspired together and are worse deceived than the girls notwithstanding that you are richly endowed by nature but decision the decision of desire is the most essential thing in life our young friend will always remain an onlooker victor is an unpractical enthusiast constantin has acquired his good sense at too great a cost and the fashion dealer is a madman stuff and nonsense with all four of you busy about one girl nothing would come of it let one have enthusiasm enough to idealize taste enough to join in the clinking of glasses at the festive board of enjoyment sense enough to break off to break off absolutely as does death madness enough to wish to enjoy all over again if you have all that you will be the favorite of gods and girls but of what avail to speak here i do not intend to make proselytes neither is this the place for that to be sure i love wine to be sure i love the abundance of a banquet all that is good but let a girl be my company and then i shall be eloquent let then constantin have my thanks for the banquet and the wine and the excellent appointments the speeches however were but indifferent but in order that things shall have a better ending i shall now pronounce a eulogy on woman just as he who is to speak in praise of the divinity must be inspired by the divinity to speak worthily and must therefore be taught by the divinity as to what he shall say likewise he who would speak of women for woman even less than the divinity is a mere figment of man's brain a daydream or a notion that occurs to one and which one may argue about pro et contra nay one learns from woman alone what to say to her and the more teachers one has had the better the first time one is a disciple the next time one is already over the chief difficulties 
just as one learns in formal and learned disputations how to use the last opponent's compliments against a new opponent nevertheless nothing is lost for as little as a kiss is a mere sample of good things and as little as an embrace is an exertion just as little is this experience exhaustive in fact it is essentially different from the mathematical proof of a theorem which remains ever the same even though other letters are substituted this method is one befitting mathematics and ghosts but not love and women because each is a new proof corroborating the truth of the theorem in a different manner it is my joy that far from being less perfect than men the female sex is on the contrary the more perfect i shall however clothe my speech in a myth and i shall exult on woman's account whom you have so unjustly maligned if my speech pronounce judgment on your souls if the enjoyment of her beckon you only to flee you as did the fruits from tantalus because you have fled and thereby insulted woman only thus forsooth may she be insulted even though she scorn it and though punishment instantly falls on him who had the audacity i however insult no one that is but the notion of married men and a slanderer whereas in reality i respect her more highly than does the man she is married to originally there was but one sex so the greeks relate and that was man's splendidly endowed he was so he did honor to the gods so splendidly endowed that the same happened to them as sometimes happens to a poet who has expended all his energy on a poetic invention they grew jealous of man ay what is worse they feared that he would not willingly bow under their yoke they feared though with small reason that he might cause their very heaven to totter thus they had raised up a power they scarcely held themselves able to curb then there was anxiety and alarm in the council of the gods much had they lavished in their generosity on the creation of man but all must be risked now for reason of bitter necessity for all was at stake so the gods believed and recalled he could not be as a poet may recall his invention and by force he could not be subdued or else the gods themselves could have done so but precisely of this they despaired he would have to be caught and subdued then by a power weaker than his own and yet stronger one strong enough to compel him what a marvellous power this would have to be however necessity teaches even the gods to surpass themselves in inventiveness they sought and they found that power was woman the marvel of creation even in the eyes of the gods a greater marvel than man a discovery in which the gods in their naivete could not help but applaud themselves for what more could be said in her praise than that she was able to accomplish what even the gods did not believe themselves able to do and what more can be said in her praise than that she did accomplish it but how marvellous a creation must be hers to have accomplished it it was a ruse of the gods cunningly the enchantress was fashioned 
for no sooner had she bewitched a man than she changed and caught him in all the circumstantialities of existence it was that that the gods had desired but what pray can be more delicious or more entrancing and bewitching than what the gods themselves contrived when battling for their supremacy as the only means of luring man and most assuredly it is so for woman is the only and the most seductive power in heaven and on earth when compared with her in this sense man will indeed be found to be exceedingly imperfect and the stratagem of the gods was crowned with success but not always there have existed at all times some men a few who have detected the deception they perceive well enough woman's loveliness more keenly indeed than the others but they also suspect the real state of affairs i call them erotic natures and count myself among them men call them seducers woman has no name for them such persons are to her unnameable these erotic natures are the truly fortunate ones they live more luxuriously than do the very gods for they regale themselves with food more delectable than ambrosia and they drink what is more delicious than nectar they eat the most seductive invention of the gods most ingenious thought they are ever eating dainties set for a bait ah incomparable delight ah blissful fare they are ever eating but the dainties set for a bait and they are never caught all other men greedily seize and devour it like bumpkins eating their cabbage and are caught only the erotic nature fully appreciates the dainties set out for bait he prizes them infinitely woman divines this and for that reason there is a secret understanding between him and her but he knows also that she is a bait and that secret he keeps to himself that nothing more marvellous nothing more delicious nothing more seductive than woman can be devised for that vouch the gods and their pressing need which heightened their powers of invention for that vouches also the fact that they risked all and in shaping her moved heaven and earth i now forsake the myth the conception man corresponds to his idea i can therefore if necessary think of an individual man as existing the idea of woman on the other hand is so general that no one single woman is able to express it completely she is not contemporaneous with man and hence of less noble origin but a later creation though more perfect than he whether now the gods took some part from him whilst he slept from fear of waking him by taking too much or whether they bisected him and made woman out of the one half at any rate it was man who was partitioned hence she is the equal of man only after this partition she is a delusion and a snare but is so only afterwards and for him who is deluded she is finiteness incarnate 
but in her first stage she is finiteness raised to the highest degree in the deceptive infinitude of all divine and human illusions now the deception does not exist one instant longer and one is deceived she is finiteness and as such she is a collective one woman represents all women only the erotic nature comprehends this and therefore knows how to love many without ever being deceived sipping the while all the delights the cunning gods were able to prepare for this reason as i said woman cannot be fully expressed by one formula but is rather an infinitude of finalities he who wishes to think her idea will have the same experience as he who gazes on a sea of nebulous shapes which ever form anew or as he who is dazed by looking over the waves whose foamy crests ever mock one's vision for her idea is but the workshop of possibilities and to the erotic nature these possibilities are the everlasting reason for his worship so the gods created her delicate and ethereal as if out of the mists of the summer night yet godly like ripe fruit light like a bird though the repository of what attracts all the world light because the play of the forces is harmoniously balanced in the invisible centre of a negative relation slender in growth with definite lines yet her body sinuous with beautiful curves perfect yet ever appearing as if completed but now cool delicious and refreshing like new-fallen snow yet blushing in coy transparency happy like some pleasantry which makes one forget all one's sorrow soothing as being the end of desire and satisfying in herself being the stimulus of desire and the gods had calculated that man when first beholding her would be amazed as one who sees himself though familiar with that sight would stand in amaze as one who sees himself in the splendor of perfection would stand in amaze as one who beholds what he did never dream he would yet beholds what it would seem ought to have occurred to him before sees what is essential to life and yet gazes on it as being the very mystery of existence it is precisely this contradiction in his admiration which nurses desire to life while this same admiration urges him ever nearer so that he cannot desist from gazing cannot desist from believing himself familiar with the sight without really daring to approach even though he cannot desist from desiring when the gods had thus planned her form they were seized with fear lest they might not have the wherewithal to give it existence for what they feared even more was herself for they dared not let her know how beautiful she was apprehensive of having someone in the secret who might spoil their ruse then was the crowning touch given to their wondrous creation they made her faultless but they concealed all this from her in the nescience of her innocence and concealed it doubly from her in the impenetrable mystery of her modesty now she was perfect and victory certain 
inviting she had been before but now doubly so through her shyness and beseeching through her shrinking and irresistible through her offering resistance the gods were jubilant and no allurement has ever been devised in the world so great as is woman and no allurement is so compelling as is innocence and no temptation is as ensnaring as is modesty and no deception is as matchless as is woman she knows of nothing still her modesty is instinctive divination she is distinct from man and the separating wall of modesty parting them is more decisive than aladdin's sword separating him from gulnair and yet when like pyramus he puts his head to this dividing wall of modesty the erotic nature will perceive all pleasures of desire divined within as from afar thus does woman tempt men are wont to set forth the most precious things they possess as a delectation for the gods nothing less will do thus is woman a showbread the gods knew of not comparable to her she exists she is present she is with us close by and yet she is removed from us by an infinite distance when concealed in her modesty until she herself betrays her hiding-place she knows not how it is not she herself it is life which informs on her roguish she is like a child who in plain peeps forth from his hiding-place yet her roguishness is inexplicable for she does not know of it herself she is ever mysterious mysterious when she casts down her eyes mysterious when she sends forth the messengers of her glance which no thought let alone any word is able to follow and yet is the eye the interpreter of the soul what then is the explanation of this mystery if the interpreter too is unintelligible calm she is like the hushed stillness of eventide when not a leaf stirs calm like a consciousness as yet unaware of aught her heart-beats are as regular as if life were not present and yet the erotic nature listening with his stethoscopically practised ear detects the dithyrambic pulsing of desire sounding along unbeknown careless she is like the blowing of the wind content like the profound ocean and yet full of longing like a thing biding its explanation my friends my mind is softened indescribably softened i comprehend that also my life expresses an idea even if you do not comprehend me i too have discovered the secret of existence i too serve a divine idea and assuredly i do not serve it for nothing if woman is a ruse of the gods this means that she is to be seduced and if woman is not an idea the true inference is that the erotic nature wishes to love as many of them as possible what luxury it is to relish the ruse without being duped only the erotic nature comprehends and how blissful it is to be seduced woman alone knows i know that from woman even though i never yet allowed any one of them time to explain it to me but reasserted my independence 
serving the idea by a break as sudden as that caused by death for a bride and a break are to one another like female and male only woman is aware of this and she is aware of it together with her seducer no married man will ever grasp this nor does she ever speak with him about it she resigns herself to her fate she knows that it must be so and that she can be seduced only once for this reason she never really bears malice against the man who seduced her that is to say if he really did seduce her and thus expressed the idea broken marriage vows and that kind of thing is of course nonsense and no seduction indeed it is by no means so great a misfortune for a woman to be seduced in fact it is a piece of good fortune for her an excellently seduced girl may make an excellent wife if i myself were not fit to be a seducer however deeply i feel my inferior qualifications in this respect if i choose to be a married man i shall always choose a girl already seduced so that i would not have to begin my marriage by seducing my wife marriage to be sure also expresses an idea but in relation to the idea of marriage that quality is altogether immaterial which is the absolutely essential condition for my idea therefore a marriage ought never to be planned to begin as though it were the beginning of a story of seduction so much is sure there is a seducer for every woman happy is she whose good fortune it is to meet just him through marriage on the other hand the gods win their victory in it the once seduced maiden walks through life by the side of her husband looking back at times full of longing resigned to her fate until she reaches the goal of life she dies but not in the sense as man dies she is volatilized and resolved into that mysterious primal element of which the gods formed her she disappears like a dream like an impermanent shape whose hour is past for what is woman but a dream and the highest reality withal thus does the erotic nature comprehend her leading her and being led by her in the moment of seduction beyond time where she has her true existence being an illusion through her husband on the other hand she becomes a creature of this world and he through her marvellous nature if i did not admire thee a woman would teach me for truly she is the venerabili of life splendidly didst thou fashion her but more splendidly still in that thou never didst fashion one woman like another in man the essential is the essential and in so far always alike but in woman the adventitious is the essential and is thus an inexhaustible source of differences brief is her splendor but quickly the pain is forgotten too when the same splendor is proffered me anew it is true i too am aware of the unbeautiful which may appear in her thereafter but she is not thus with her seducer end of section six